there, and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. This podcast is all about providing clarity, insight, and encouragement for life and mission. And my name is Aaron Santemeyer, and I'm going to be your host. Today, we have the phenomenal opportunity to sit down with Dan Darling and uh, discuss his book that I think is is timely um, in the season that we're living. And we have a discussion on Away With Words, and um, Dan has done some phenomenal writing um, from lessons he's learned about our online presence um, as Christians, as Christ followers, how we can be civil um, in our conversations, how we can have discourse and discussions, and at the same time, portray and convey the love of Jesus Christ, and then how our value of our words. He, he discusses you know, how it's easy to sit on, on, on online presence and type words and send them out, but that is still a public place. And will we do that in a public place? And are we conveying the love of Jesus Christ when we do that? Not being weak, not standing up for the truth, but he gives some great biblical examples of people that we can see in the Bible that stood up for the truth, but did it in the love of Christ. And what are our words, our attitudes, our thoughts conveying to those that are watching, for our brothers and sisters in Christ, for our, our, those who are, are non-believers, how are they seeing our words, how, what are we coming across, and are we conveying the, the thing that we say that who we are in, in Jesus Christ? And so this is a challenging interview, and he gives some great insight, gives some great um, challenges to us as we in a, we're in a season where um, there seems to be a lot of um, conflict. There seems to be a lot of desire to stand up for what is true and what is right. And Dan gives us a way to stand up for what is true, to stand up for what is right, but to do that, that Jesus Christ is glorified in the process. And as Christian leaders and as missionaries, uh, people are watching. And what are we conveying when we do that? And I hope you're challenged as I was as I sit, sat down with Dan. There's no time better than now to get started. So here we go. Well, greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to be here with uh, a new friend, someone I've read I, just before we jumped in. I, I got his book. I'd heard about him on um, Sports Spectrum Podcast and uh, had listened to that. And then I bought his book and I read his book once and then read his book again and highlighted some more again, Kindle version, because getting it to Madagascar would have been probably impossible, especially during COVID. It's just been something that his... Um, challenge me. And his book is Away With Words. And uh, Dan Darling, I'm so excited to have you here on the podcast today. Would you go ahead and just introduce yourself to the audience before we jump into some questions? Yeah. So I, I don't, I don't know all what you want to know. I'm, uh, so I'm a, a writer. I've been writing yeah. since, you know, my whole life. You'll, you see that in the book. I talk about that really since junior high when I had a teacher that just said, I think you could do this, you know, and yeah. when you're, you know, when you're middle school, junior high to have to find one thing you're good at is yeah. pretty, pretty great. So I've been doing that ever since I'm a pastor. Um, I've pastored to churches in Illinois, Tennessee. Um, I work in communications right now. Uh, so I'm a uh, senior VP of communications at the uh, NRB, which is an association of Christian communicators, you know, mm -hmm. radio, TV, podcasting, church media, uh, film, all the whole range. I, for six years, I worked for, uh, uh, the ERLC, which is a Southern Baptist kind of public mm -hmm. policy organization. Um, uh, my, I'm, I'm a husband and wife or I'm in a, I'm a husband and father. Yeah. Uh, so I've been married for almost 18 years and then I have four kids. So our oldest is 15, almost 16. And our youngest is, uh, just turned 10. 
Yeah. Or just turned nine. So um, we got a full house. It's fun. Three girls and a boy. Yeah. Good deal. In Nashville. So good deal. That's good deal. My daughter Isabel is 16 and my son's 14. And um, it's an interesting, interesting time of life. Great kids and um, enjoy them. Dan, I just wanted it. Your book really challenged me. Um, And uh, I just wanted to jump in just to, to begin. What were, what are some of the important reasons that we need, need to be asking, um, what is our online speech modeling for others? Uh, we live in a world right now where there's a lot of tension and a lot of division. And, and what are some reasons we should be asking that question, each and every one of us? Well, I think, I mean, I, I, there's, there's a couple of things to think about. Um, uh, first of all, we should be thinking, you know, that our words matter. Yeah. Um, I, you know that Christianity is a religion of words. If you think about it, uh, we have a we have a God who speaks. The opening pages of Genesis, you know, God speaks the world into existence. We as image bearers are speaking beings, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, animals communicate, yeah, uh, at a rudimentary level, but you'll never see an animal write a novel or something, right? <laughs> um, humans communicate at a high level. It's what distinguishes us. Yeah, uh, we have the written word of God. God has spoken to us and written down in words. Jesus is described as the logos, the the word of God. Um, yeah. And so there's a lot in the scriptures about the shape of our words. I, I yeah. think sometimes Christians feel like if I am on the right side of an issue, it doesn't matter how I speak. Wow. And really, that's not true. I mean, we have a whole book. Think of Proverbs. <laughs> yeah. Much of Proverbs, the wisest man in all the world is saying. Um, your words matter. Yeah. Uh, James is saying to the early church uh, that your words can either, in a, in a fallen world, words can either bring forth life or death. Yeah. So, and and he's saying that the one of the central struggles of the Christian life is taming the tongue. Hmm. I mean, that's what he says. The tongue can no man tame. Of course, we would say that through the power of the Spirit. God can help us tame our tongues or our thumbs or keyboards. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think it's something we need to think about. And you combine that with this age that we live in. We live in the digital age where words have never, it's, it's never been easier to publish. Hmm. Uh, with a few taps of our thumbs or strokes of the keyboard, we can send a message to the world. Yeah. And so the question is, how do we steward that? Yeah. Um, we're not going to go back to the 1950s, yeah, right? The internet's here to stay. Social media is here to stay, I think. So the question is, how do we live in this, in this world? How do we do this well? That, yeah. that, those are the questions we should be asking ourselves. Yeah. And, um, and so as Christians, you, we, we, we're, we're stewarding our words. But it's sometimes when I get on Facebook and uh, different other media forums, it seems like uh, Christians might be stewarding the verbs verbally, but when it comes to those other mediums, it seems like there's no whole bar. So I'm just going to say what I want to say and it doesn't matter where it goes. Um, is that your experience too? And, and is there, is that unique to Christians or am I just um, focused on Christians when that happens? Well, I, I think it's both, right? I think I I'm primarily focused on Christians because, you yeah. know, I, I feel like, the ministry God's given me in terms of my writing is that uh, I want to write for the church. Yeah. Uh, and I, and I want to write for the average Christian. Yeah. Right. I appreciate scholars. I read 
scholars all the time. I'm grateful yeah. for Christian scholars. People read at a deeper level. I read that stuff all the time. It's really important for us leaders to be reading at a high and deep level. But I, w- I feel like God's called me to write for the average everyday believer yeah. um, who um, is not, you, you know, who might read a few books a year or whatever like that. That's who I'm writing. So I'm writing for the church. However, I do think if you're not a believer, you could peek in on our conversation and understand here's what Christianity is about. Yeah. And Christians, one of the ways we can, if we, if we choose, one of the ways we can distinguish ourselves is the way we use our words, yeah. that we, we care deeply about issues. We stand up for the truth. We stand up against the vulnerable. We should not shrink back. We should not yeah. be um, scared. We should have courage, but that we also do it with kindness and civility. Well, yeah. That should distinguish us as Christians. Yeah. And you share in the book about about civility. And uh, <laughs> it does seem to be something that uh and you share that it's not a sign of weakness. And I think it's somehow, at least in in recent years for me, it's been if you're civil, you're weak, um, and you're not standing up. But you share it's rather a sign of strength to be civil. Can you unpack that just a little bit for us? Well, I think um we have this idea that courage and civility are enemies. Hmm. And so you have this divide where if you take a stand for the truth and if you refute false teaching and heresy, if you take positions that are biblical and, and Christian that are nevertheless unpopular in the culture, that you're being mean yeah. by the virtue of those positions, that you're, you're mean, you're exclusionary, all that. So as Christians, we have to bear that a little bit. Jesus said that, you know, basically told his disciples that at some level, you're going to be at odds with the prevailing culture. And that's always yeah. been true for Christians. Yeah. At some point, you're going to, what you believe is at odds with, with a world that is dominated by the prince and power of the air. Um, yeah. So there's this idea, though, that if you take those positions, you're being mean. On the other hand, there's this other idea, which is equally false, that the way to courage is vitriol, anger, nastiness, personal ad hominem attacks. Yeah. Um, and it's just not true. Um, Peter says in 1 Peter 3.15, and again, let's remember Peter was, was not a shrinking violet. Peter yeah. was not someone who <laughs> was afraid to speak his mind. He was not someone who, here's a man who was martyred for his faith. Yeah. Here's a man who, when everyone else, you know, when asked, he said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God, when asked hmm. who Christ is, which was very controversial and unpopular yeah. at the time. But Peter says, have an answer for every person for the hope that lies within you. So speak up with truth. Don't be afraid to speak into the questions that the culture is asking, but do it with gentleness and kindness. Yeah. And what he's saying is, civility and courage go together. Hmm. So the loudest person in the room is not the most brave. Wow. Courage doesn't mean we have to write in all caps. Yeah. (laughs) Right. So I think those two things go together. Kindness and boldness go together. And that is a distinctly Christian thing. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, in the day and age where it's, 
majority of this audience is listening in are, are either Christian leaders or, or missionaries serving overseas. And one thing that really challenged me that you share that, you know, that to lead, to, to lead you, there's leaders must sacrifice and they must give up some things. And, um, and one of those things you talk about is the consumption of social media. And uh, maybe it's not totally give up, but it's something we could strictly limit. Could you just go a little bit deeper on that and, and how you, cause you're a leader and how you've arrived at that, that, um, that, that well, place. I haven't arrived. So, I mean, I'm still wrestling with that. Yeah. You know, I, I think there's a tension here because this social media is where we're having our conversation. Yeah. So I do think leaders need to be engaged at some okay. level where people are having conversations in order to shape the dialogue, yeah. uh, to lead, to model a way of talking about difficult issues. I really think that like we want to be in the places where people are talking. Yeah. But I do think leaders need to understand the weight of their words wow. and the weight of their platform. James chapter three talks about this. James chapter three, we often don't put that whole passage together, but in the beginning of the passage, he talks about just the sober responsibility of being a Christian leader. Hmm. You know, not everyone should be a teacher. Yeah. Um, know what you're getting into. Yeah. Um, and then he has a whole chapter on the tongue. And I mm -hmm. think they go together. Now, what I think what James is saying is that when you are in a position of leadership, particularly Christian leadership in any, any kind of place, if you have a platform, your words carry more weight. Yeah. Right. And it's true. What we do in moderation, our followers will do in excess. Hmm. So we, we model a tone and a way of speaking that we need to ask ourselves, is this how we want others to do it? So, and I think one of the things that plagues Christian leaders on social media, it's so easy to communicate yeah. that we often forget we're in public. Hmm. And so just imagine, you know, I have on Twitter, I'm not that big of a deal, but I have, uh, let me see here. I have, 13,500 followers, which is not that much, but that's like a minor league baseball stadium <laughs> or a minor league. That's a small, that's a medium sized concert venue. Yeah. 13, imagine 13,500 people in a venue. Yeah. So when I tweet, am I, I got to understand I'm, I'm in public. Yeah. Would I use these words on the stage? Even if you had, even if you have 150 followers, mm -hmm. which is not hard to do, yeah, that's a room full of 150 people. Yeah, uh, would you get up in the pulpit and talk like that, or would you get up at a dinner party with that many people? Yeah, and talk like that. So recognizing we're in public, so even when we have disagreements, and I think we can actually have robust debates online, I, I'm for that. Yeah, remember that we're in public. Yeah. So if I'm disagreeing with somebody. Um, don't imagine myself at a computer behind on a keyboard imagine myself on stage having a debate with everyone watching. Yeah. So then how does that make me feel about the way I'm using my words? D yeah. Does that make sense? No, it we're doesn't. modeling for our people. So I need to not only speak about the issues, but I need to do it in a way that other people can take their cues from. Yeah, right. That's good. So there's a lot of talk about platform and yeah. is it good? Is it bad? The truth is 
if 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 you have a public ministry any anyway, you have a platform. Yeah. I'll hear leaders say, "Well, I don't want a platform." I'm like, "You know what? You're the leader of an organization or a church. You have one." <laughs> so the question is, how do we use that platform? Yeah. In a way that helps others flourish. Is yeah. really the question. No, it's good. You talk um, a better way to do, and I think this segues really in what you're sharing, a better way to do online discernment. And um, and you share some of the uh, mm-hmm. those. Uh, we don't give it all away. Um, we do want people to get your book. Um, but just a few of those um, nuggets of wisdom when it comes to a better way to do online discernment. Yeah, so I, I, I really think we need discernment. In this yeah. age, I mean, and the Bible really talks from cover to cover about discernment, and really all discernment is is distinguishing between what is true and good and beautiful and what is not. Yeah. And in a fallen world, we need that discernment. Um, and we practice discernment even though we don't realize it, right? Yeah. So, uh, in just small ways, right? We we make choices good and bad in, in small ways in our life. What's wise, what's not wise. I mean, really, that's really what Proverbs is teaching us with wisdom, like what's yeah. good and what's not good. We need discernment. We need discernment in an age where, you know, there's kind of a information is, is sort of uh, democratized and even religion is democratized in a way that everybody has a voice. We need the kind of discernment that says this is Christian orthodoxy and this is true and this is false teaching. Yeah. So it's vital. Uh, that being said, that that kind of discernment, I think, is different than what sometimes we see with self-appointed discernment bloggers and watch bloggers. Mm. I want to be careful because there are some who are in that space that do some good work yeah. that I've benefited from. So I don't want to throw them all under the bus. But there's a kind of discernment ministry <laughs> that is less about discernment and more about, I think, tabloid it's like a tabloid style journalism. It's yeah. no different than Entertainment Tonight or supermarket tabloids where yeah. you're just every day the model of ministry is let's find another Christian leader saying something or doing something wrong or let's nitpick here and there. And with a lot of those folks, nobody is right. Yeah. I mean, the apostles wouldn't make the cut. Yeah. Jesus wouldn't make the cut. And I think it's dangerous. I think it's slanderous. Mm. You know, the thing about it is, is that telling half-truths and lies on the internet is still telling half-truths and lies. It's still sick. Uh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> Slandering a brother or sister online is still sick. Yeah. <laughs> um, doesn't matter what we call it. And I think I have serious questions about the the spiritual life of someone who does that. Mm. I think it's really damaging. Um, And so I, hopefully that chapter lays it out that we need discernment, but we don't need the kind of tabloid style stuff we see. No, it's good. That's good. And you know, the other thing is I read your book, um, you talk about the quickness to share a story or quickness to share. And honestly, in the, this time of COVID, you know, I'm, I'm a nurse practitioner and people were sharing, I, I saw this research and they were forwarding things, putting things on, on Facebook and different without even checking the veracity of it, whether it's true. And, but then like you say, it's in a public forum, it's out there and people are 
if you're a leader, people are assigning value to that because you shared it and they think you vetted the information that you shared. And it's not been vetted. You've just quickly shared it. Um, but you talk about that being uh, being intoxicating to, to share things really quickly. Can you just go maybe unpack that? Why is it intoxicating and why do we want to share things really quickly without checking to see if it's actually true? Man, I'm glad you asked that. I think, you know, we have this kind of crisis of disinformation uh, in our age, right? Um, I, there's a couple of things. I think one of the things that's happening is we have, we live and inhabit news bubbles mm-hmm. um, where we, we are, we live in a separate bubble where we only read news that confirms our worldview. Mm-hmm. We only read opinions that confirms our worldview or confirms how wicked the other side is or how bad the other side is. And really it's, it's not, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of attention paid to the kind of conservative news uh, ecosystem that has, you know, this kind of confirmation bias where yeah. we only want to hear things that agree with us. And that, that exists. It's true. A lot of that's on Facebook and other places that does exist. And there are issues with that significant, but the same thing exists in the kind of mainstream uh, bubble as well. Mainstream from mainstream over to the left bubble, right? Mm-hmm. Twitter is just as much an information bubble as Facebook is. It's just, wow. and, and is similarly resistant to alternative opinions as Facebook is. So I think we had to, to combat that. We got to read across ideological lines. We got to read from different perspectives. Um, James 1, 19 says, let everyone be quick, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. I, we might rephrase that in the digital age and say, let everyone be uh, quick to get the whole story, slow to post, slow to digital rage. And one of the things we got to just commit to is when it's a complicated story that's breaking, mm-hmm. saying, I'm going to get the whole story. I'm going to yeah. read the full article, not just the headline, yeah. before I comment and say something. Because we've seen in the last few years where everyone, everyone jumps on a story and really crushes somebody yeah. to find out 48 hours later, actually, this didn't happen. This wasn't true. Yeah. Um, and and James, James is in the writing of the first century, but he's so right, slowing down yeah. before speaking up is sometimes very wise. Uh, and there's this pressure we feel like I've got to say something. Hmm. Silence is violence, people will say, which is really ridiculous. Or you'll hear things, you'll see things like, why are evangelical leaders silent on this? And I'm just like, they're probably not silent, but they're probably not tweeting. They may yeah. be speaking to their elders about it or talking to their local peer group. I think instead we need to just, at, at times if we have information, we should speak up and we should yeah. speak out. I do that all the time. But make sure we've got the full story. Um, What's funny is 20 years ago, no one knew what someone five states away thought about major global crisis. That's true. Some random person. But now everyone feels like they have to do that. And there's no, um, there's no demand that you have to be as mad as I am at the same time as I am on the same platform as I am about the same issue as me. Yeah. Like you can slow down. I think leaders especially have to hmm. slow down and say, and ask, and just ask questions. Is this true? Yeah. Um, is this true or do I just want this to be true? Wow. 
um, have I read from a variety of places? Am, is this in my lane? Am I qualified to speak on this? Hmm. Like you may have opinions on things, but is this thing? And then if so, I think speak up, but let's get the facts first. Let's not yeah. run with things. And man, in a time of COVID, there's so much misinformation on both sides, left yeah. and right. I mean, yeah. there's misinformation about COVID and treatments, uh, about rumors and all this stuff that I think as Christians, we can't traffic in stuff that we don't know to be true. That's Philippians true. 4, eight says to meditate and to dwell and think about things that are true. Yeah, that's good. That's good. How do you, how do you personally go about trying to figure out if this is true or I want it to be true? Because I'll be honest with you, um, Dan, I can convince myself, I can read something. If I really want the, the confirmation bias, but you want it to be true, and you can almost, the enemy can almost, I don't want to give the enemy too much credit, but you can almost build a case on why you think this is true. Have you found a way to be able to, a structure or way to discern, is this really true or is this, I just want it to be true, as you shared? Well, I think, again, we need to read from a variety of sources. Um, Try to read people that are straight shooters that'll yeah. give it to you. Uh, even if you read people that have an opinion, but are fair, yeah. right? Um, and increasingly, it's hard. I mean, because even like mainstream sources, they don't always get things right. There's yeah. this impulse to to get it out quick. Uh, I also think a good practice is to read articles, not headlines. Hmm. So headline writers are paid to get you to click, to get you to react. They want yeah. you to share it or to react. Um, they don't even really care if you click. They just want you. And so they're going to put this most sensational thing. Yeah. When thing, when actually things are a little bit more new. So just be, we also should question our biases. Yeah. So I'm just going to put it in the American context and be very frank. If you're a conservative who is planning on voting for Trump, everything that comes across the wire from about Vice President Biden, that's negative, you're just going to believe right away. But you got to ask yourself, is this a credible source? Is this really true? Or do I just want it to be true? Or if you're a liberal and you're going to vote for Biden, every single thing that comes across about Trump, and there's a lot of crazy stuff, true and untrue, you're going to want to believe it right away and post about it and give your opinion. Question your biases. And because what ends up happening is we destroy our credibility if we just pass on rumor and information. And, and the truth is, as Christians, if what we believe is true and we're confident we are anchored to, to timeless, eternal truths, we don't need fake news to advance mm. our cause. That's God good. doesn't need our fake news in order to advance the gospel. Does that make That's sense? Good. No, it makes a, 100% sense. You know, something that I've seen play out on on social media, and it, it, it's public. If you've, you've very clearly highlighted, it's public. What do you do if you're you you're on a social media or something, and um, you feel there's there begins to be a little bit of conflict or maybe back and forth between um, you and another person? What do you? Is there a point that you say, "Hey, I'm going to stop this conversation. I'm going to reach out." And because I've just seen people, it seems like it's, they get not sucked in is not the right word, but it, it just seems to snowball. And um, I know those people. And in, if they weren't on Facebook, I really don't think they, they would say the things they're saying or they're kind hearted. They love Jesus and they're really not, but it's like 
because it's on a screen, they say things that I don't think they would really say in person. Is there something that you've learned on how you can maybe stop yourself or allow discernment or the Holy Spirit to guide you so you don't end up putting something out there that you wish you would have never and causing harm and hurt to somebody that you, you really, it's really hard to take back. Yeah. I, I mean, there's a couple of things to think about. One, I think we do need the Holy spirit guidance. Um, we also need a community of Hmm. friends. Uh, especially if you're a leader and especially if you're going to opine on something really controversial, Yeah. having someone say, Hey, uh, what do you think about what I'm about to say? Yeah. Um, I have a I have a group of about five friends that we text. We have a text thread that we've had for about five years. Okay, and it's great. We, we you know we we're texting back and forth all day, and it's awesome. And my hottest stuff, hottest takes are with those people, and they simmer down quite a bit after I've been in conversation. Yeah, uh, because I you know hey, is this how I'm seeing it? Am I seeing the right thing? What am I missing here? Um, better to do that in private hmm. than to do that in public. In public yeah. to save yourself some embarrassment have some accountability. Ultimately, I think our offline uh, community is so important to shape our online lives. Hmm. Like I can tell, I can actually tell if someone online doesn't have a really good, thick offline community. Okay. You know, because you just kind of can tell from the way that they behave and, and just kind of unhinged. And sometimes I'm thinking they must not have a, strong community around them, you know, Hmm. um, the internet's great. The internet's amazing. It can do amazing things for good. Social media can, can do a lot of things for good, but it's not real life. Yeah. And we need, we need to understand that it's, 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 it's mediated through screens. It's a, it's a portion of our lives, but it's not real life. Uh, there's so much going on in real life and it just step away uh, I like hanging around with people, for instance, that really don't know the last 10 controversies online, right? <laughs> Twitter, you think about this, Twitter is like, what, 15% of the world's on there. There are a lot of people who every, you know, I'm, I'm at a white collar job, so I pay attention to it a lot. But most people who are making their lives run, blue collar folks, people out, are not online all day. They're not checking Facebook and you know, there's just Twitter. They're, and so there's a certain earthy reality to that that I think is important for us. Uh, and, and, and I think that helps shape the way we, we speak publicly. That's good. And so those people, those, so what I'm hearing you say is almost like your, your text group. Um, that's almost your filter so that you can think things out before you put it out on mass media. Is, is that correct? And did you choose those guys, maybe the right guys, but did you choose that group intentionally? Or, and what, what would you, if somebody says, man, that really resonates with me, I'd like to do that. What would you look for in people that you could um, to begin to develop that offline presence to, to um, filter your online public presence? Well, I really think, first of all, your local church, uh, you know, have good, deep friendships in local church community. Uh, the, you know, I write about this in the book and I feel so strongly about it. And especially during a time of COVID when we've been removed for long stretches from our offline community, how vital embodied local church community is like gathering. And I, we're doing a lot of cool, innovative stuff online that I think is going to stay, 
Yeah. But I, I categorically, categorically reject the idea that online community is the same as offline community. Like gathering as a body yeah. is so important. And it's why it's important is because it's so like there's an ordinariness and a messiness to gathering, uh, in, to gathering in person, right? Yeah. Like you see people for their whole being, not just yeah. the curated version online. You True. see people in their messiness and then they're, uh, you know, you're sitting, you're standing there worshiping and the guy next to you can't sing. Yeah. <laughs> right. Or the guy in your small group goes on and on and on about their whatever. Uh, that is what we need. That is yeah. real life. And that the friction of embodied relationship with people who are different than us really yeah. is sanctifying. Yeah. And I, I worry about people whose whole worldview and whole life is sort of catechized and formed by their online tribe. And I, mm. and I, I see it in people. I just don't think it's very healthy. So I think local church, number one, is huge. I think number two, having deep friendships with people you disagree with, especially on the secondary and tertiary issues, right? Politics. I, I've said it all along, and this is more of an American context, but I think it fits everywhere. I've said, you should have someone, you should have a great, you should have a friendship with someone to the right of you who you think's a little bit crazy and friendships with someone to the left of you, you think's a little bit crazy. And it, it kind of helps you. Now I was asked on a radio interview, what if you're that person? I'm like, well, that, that's a good point. <laughs> Find someone even crazier. I don't know. Um, but I do think that's really good for us. Yes. Yeah, yeah um, that's good. And that kind of brings some reality to our online life. No, that's good. You know, talking about communities, um, one of the things I've had to put in place for me is I don't send emails after seven o'clock at night because I regret, I'd say 99.999% of the emails that I send after seven o'clock at night, I regret or they're less, they're not, they're me. They're just not, uh, they're not exemplifying the fruits of the spirit. And um, it's just something I've learned. I, I sent enough of them that I regretted. And so um, same thing when it would come with social media and other things, I just, I realized that in me and it just, uh, you know, I did it so many times that I had to realize it, but um, it's surrounding ourselves with people and um, people that friends that pointed that out for me said, man, you seem a lot more grumpy in the evening when you send these emails <laughs> to, to, to check. And that's, that's a way I communicate a lot. So it's been, yeah, it's been phenomenal. Dan, I appreciate it so much. You taking the time today and um, would you pray for our audience that God will use what you shared today, um, that we will begin to ask these questions individually and corporately. What is our online presence? What are we communicating? Are we communicating the love of Christ? Are we being people that are civil and courageous and, and walking in that? And um, we're sharing and gathering people around us that are diverse so that um, we can understand each other and walk in that and um, not um, give in to confirmation bias and to surround ourselves with people that think and act and look exactly like we do and that we're more like the kingdom rather than our little kingdom. Will you pray for us? Absolutely. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you and praise you for the, the privilege, Lord, of uh, the age in which we live, uh, that we've been gifted with so many technological innovations, the, the sort of uh, using the raw materials of creation to innovate uh, and 
we're thankful for those who have allowed us to record a podcast really across across oceans. Uh, we could never do this, you know, decades ago. So we're grateful for that. Lord, help us to steward our words well online. Help us to be wise. Help us to understand we're modeling uh, for people what the Christian life looks like. Help us to understand that when we're online, we're still Christians. And especially those of us who have any kind of measure of influence, that we would we would model for those who follow us what it looks like to engage uh, the public square. Help us to be wise about our intake and what we allow to form us in terms of news and information. Um, and that we would hold all these things loosely, knowing that you are gathering history to yourself, that you are not shaken by what shakes us here in 2020. Uh, and that ultimately the kingdom of God is advancing. You are building your church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Lord, bless those who are listening. 